All right, Rebbe, say good morning, good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning. Sure, to thank our Kamatora sponsors for the month of Elul. Shindi and Avram Kalman for dedicating all the Sherman Trushos this month in honor of Yechiel's engagement to Alana Falik and the memory of our parents, Jerome and Bernice Kalman, Alexander and Frederica David. To thank Barak, Maya, Sandy Hoffman, Dora Limas, and Avi Malamid for dedicating the Shi'ur in memory of Ruvain Ben Emanuel, Zichron Levracha. To thank Ayal and Sarah Steinberg for dedicating the Shi'ur in the of Rafu Shalema for Shulamis Bas Susha. To thank Davyomi Sher for dedicating the Shi'ur in the Schos of Rafu Shalema for Yehuda Ben Michal. To thank our Week of Learning sponsors, Jeff and Karen Cohn for dedicating the learning in commemoration of the yard site of Jeff's mother, Eleanor Cohn. Elka Bas Binyamin, to thank Louis Goldberg for dedicating the week of learning, thanking Hashem for the engagement of his grandson Eli Bogart, to Rivi Galaskov, daughter of Steve Galaskov, to thank Joseph and Ellen Miller, Iris and Ed Miller and family, Leslie and Adam Miller, and Ro- excuse me, Rosen and family, for dedicating the Shurim this week. Lezecher Nishmas Richard Berman, and the discourse of our learning, may his Neshama have an Aliyah and the family a Nechama. To thank our Dafyomi sponsors for today, Morty Tusk, in honor of his wife Malki on the occasion of their 25th anniversary. Beautiful. And to the friends of the Langbaums, in honor of their upcoming Aliyah. Emir Tzashem B'Sha'atovu Umetzlachas. Today is Dr. Langbaum's last official day in Shir. As he will Emir Tzashem B'Zocha to go with his family, to go with his wife. For the rest of his family, he's there. Most of his, a lot of his family is there. Emir Tzashem making a beautiful, beautiful journey to Eretz Yisrael. May it be with incredible mazel, hatzlacha, and bracha. Now, also with that, let, let us begin. I apologize. Apparently, we do not have a microphone today. I think it is time for us to uh, invest Emir Tzashem in our own dafyomi. Microphone and speaker. Okay, uh, dedication opportunities are uh, are, are are open. As we'll say, so let us let us begin. So we have a lot to do today and not a lot of time. Again, we have a shortened, a uh, little bit of a shortened window during these days of slichos. So we will emir Hashem do our best, best to maximize the time that we have. So we'll say today's daf is ayin hay seventy five, and we are picking up on ayin dalid on the days seventy four b, the last line. My time is Rabbi Huda. So we'll say remember again, Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda said in yesterday's daf that Kol Neder Shiyadu Bo Rabim Lo Yachz. You remember again, we were speaking about the situation of a man divorces his wife because she made a neder. So Rabbi Huda says, depending on the type of neder, triggers this halacha. If it's a neder Shiyadu Bo Rabim, a neder that the Rabim know about. And Rashi said over here, Rabim meant Asara, 10 people, then he's not allowed to remarry such a woman. But if it's Lo Yadu Bo Rabim, if again, if it's a neder that the Rabim don't know about, then he is permitted to go ahead and remarry her. So it says the Gemara, my time is Rabbi Huda. What's Rabbi Huda's logic? Tichsev, tap of ayin hei, velohikom b'nei Yisrael, kinishbu'u lahem nesiyeh ha'edah. Interesting, for both of us, this happens to be a fascinating story. This is the story of the Giv'onim. So remember again, the Giv'onim were a nation, an indigenous nation in Canaan, who were in existence at the time of Yoshua. Now remember again, the mandate for any indigenous nations in Canaan was that either they are there free to leave, Canaan as Kali Yisrael comes in, or ultimately, again, they would be conquered. The Giv'onim disguised themselves as a foreign nation, someone outside of Canaan. They introduced themselves to Yoshua. Yoshua and the Zekinim made a treaty with them. But then when their deception was discovered, Yoshua felt that he could not go back on the treaty. So they were made into water carriers. They, they served Kalal Yisrael. 
The point over here is because this was a nether that was made publicly, there was no revocation from it. This is the source or rev- revocation of it. This was the source of Rabbi Yehuda's ruling. Vekama, Vekama Rabim. How much is a Rabim? Rav Nachman Yitzchak Amar, Amar Shlosha. Right? He says three. So Yamim Shnaim. So the Gemara says Rabim Shlosha. Rabbi Yitzchak Amar Asara. So Rabbi Yitzchak says no. It means ten. So the Gemara says Edak Siv Bahu. After all, again because it says the lashon of Eda. Okay. So Rabbi Meir says. Rabbi Meir says, any nether that requires the chakira of a chacham. Now, I will say again, remember, the chakira of a chacham is a nether which requires a chacham to really get involved in understanding the mechanics of it. Ultimately, if a man divorces his wife because of such a nether, she is not permitted to go ahead and, not permitted to go ahead and return her. Rabbi Lazar Omer, Lo asru tzarech Rabbi Lazar says, ultimately, again, they only assert a nether that says, tzarech hakiras chacham, lest you come because of a nether she'en tzarech. So the Mars might come in. What are they arguing about? So I'll say again, remember, this, this whole thing was represented a little bit of a, of a tangent on our primary sugyo. But what are they arguing about? Rabbi Meir Savar, Adam Shrotze Shetisbaze Ishto Bebezdin. Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir holds that, we had this interesting lashon yesterday's daf, which literally means a man wants his wife to be degraded in Bezin. Now, of course, remember, we explained that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case. Not the pshat that a man wants his wife to be degraded. Rather, what's the pshat? A man is okay if his wife has to go to Bezin in order to revoke her particular nether. Rabbi Lazar Savar, in Adam Rosashit is Bazi Ishtabazin. Rabbi Lazar holds that no, a man doesn't. In other words, a man would rather his wife not be degraded in Bezdin. Rava says, Rava Amar, Rava holds it here, what are we talking about? An Isha Chashuva, an important woman. So Rabbi say this is interesting. So the Rava suggests over here, we're talking over here about Isha Chashuva. And a man says, ultimately, again, I don't want to become prohibited in her relatives. In other words, even if I'm not going to be married to her, I don't want to create a situation, ultimately, again, where I'm precluded from marrying into the family. If that's the case, Remember again, this goes back, this references back to Braisa that we had on top of Ayin Dalit Amad Beis in yesterday's daf. What was that Braisa? So I will say that Braisa was, remember, um, the, first, the case we dealt with was that a man made a man made a condition? He was Makadesh al Tanai. What was the Tanai? Hari Akni Kudeshasli Amanas She'in Alayach Nidarim. Or Amanas She'in Lach Mumin. Right? You have no mum. Right? And what happens? She had a nether, but she had it revoked. Right? In other words, after Kiddushin, she had it revoked. Or she had a mum and it was healed. So if you remember again, we'll say, what was the distinction in the Gemara, in the, in the Braisa? For Nadar, for Nadar, she's Mikudash. Let's remember again why. Why? Because revocation is retroactive. For Mumin, she is, for a Mum, she is not Mikudash. Why? Because the healing of a Mum only works Mikan Ulahaba. So now the Gemara quotes, we didn't quote this yesterday, but the Braissa quotes the reverse case. What happens if Halachalamaisa, if Halachalamaisa, Avalhu, Rashi says over here, first short line in Rashi, Avalhu, Im Amrala Amanas She'in Alai Mumin Uradaram. So said, let's say the man made the reverse tonight. He said to her, become the Kudashas to me on the condition that I, I, the man, 
I don't have any nidarim, or I, the man, I don't have a mum. And then again, same case. It turns out he does have a nether. He does have a mum. But what's that? He goes to the chacham, and the chacham ultimately again permits him. Or the or he goes to the doctor and he's healed. What's the halacha? Mikudashas. I was saying both of these cases ultimately again it's mikudashas. Listen, ain't a mikudashas. Ultimately, again, they should also say in the Mikudeshes, like I said, by the woman. And we can see over here, we're talking about, again, an important individual from an important family. The Amra, because she could say, I don't, Even if I can't be married to him, I don't want to be an usher to his relatives. And therefore, I'd rather the dissolution of the marriage than the divorce. So the Gemara says, this is fascinating, we'll say, this is a... Thank you. Thank you. So the Gemara says, Ihi, Ihi becholduhu nechala. Well, so this is actually a fascinating societal statement. A woman is happy with any husband. Right? A woman is happy with any husband. Now, we'll say, what does this mean? From a woman's perspective, it is better to be with someone than it is to be with no one. I think is the popular Mama Chazal goes, right? If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with, right? So, 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 thank you so much, thank you. So, I'll say, so, so, what's interesting about this, and remember again, what I want to point out over here, I'll say, is just a, it's a societal thing. Remember, we've spoken about this many times, that marriage for a woman represented a sense of physical security, financial security. So, in Chazal, say like this, like a woman would marry anyone, like, they don't literally mean a woman marry anyone, but what it means was that, at least historically, a man was much more selective about who he was marrying than a woman, right? Because a man had the luxury of being much more selective, whereas for a woman, ultimately, again, marriage was an absolute necessity for her physical and financial security. So you might give some examples of this. Amr Abai, Amr Abai says, the shum shumano gavra, so what Sabai says, if even if a woman is married to a very short man, means a man who's as tall as an ant. Right? In other words, even if a woman is married to a very short man, she could put her chair. Rashi says, If you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, she could literally put her chair amongst the free women. In other words, marriage, marriage affords a woman a certain level of status. So she said even if her husband is as short as an ant, at least it allows her to place her chair amongst the other free women. Free women. Rapapa Rapapa says, Dinafsa Gavra, Rapapa says, even if a woman's husband is a nafsa, oh, Rashi says, nafsa's musi. he combs wool. He combs wool, which was considered to be a very degrading profession. Even if her husband combs wool, ultimately, again, she will call with him and sit down with him in front of the house. In other words, that even if a woman's husband has a degrading profession, she's not embarrassed to be seen with him. Not embarrassed to be seen with him. Okay. Ravashi Ravashi says, the Gavra lo boy If a man has blemished lineage, right? Blemished yichus, 
he won't even demand lentils for dinner. In other words, that Lamaisa will say, so this is this last one is interesting. This is saying if a man has if a man has damaged lineage, right, has, has an issue with his yichos, ultimately again he's just happy that someone married him and he'll be a very undemanding husband. So the Gemara ends off with saying something very interesting. Tana, the Kulon Mizanos Vitolos Bebaleim. And all of these women, they end up committing adultery and ultimately attributing their offspring to their husband. Okay, so that's a pretty sweeping statement, right? What the Gemara is saying is that sometimes, sometimes, so again, when women settle for these types of marriages that seem to be, that seem to be an, ill-fitted, an ill-fitted match, Sometimes it is a cover, ultimately, again, for, for immoral behavior. Okay, I will say, by the way, whenever the Gemara says kulon, all of them, remember, I will say, kulon is never meant as kulon everyone, right? Because, again, the truth is, in general, when it comes to human behavior, you can never go ahead and make a statement that says the kulon, something applies to everyone. It just means that sometimes, sometimes, these mis- mismatched unions are a cover for some type of inappropriate behavior. Good. Kalmum and Shepolson. So remember again, an interesting case here. So the Mishnah said, the Mishnah said, any woman that opposes. So say, so here's what's interesting. The, the, the Mishnah points out that any mum, any physical blemish that would go ahead and that would go ahead and that and would invalidate by a coin ultimately invalidates by marriage as well. So the Gemara, when we say invalidates by marriage, is could be grounds for dissolution of the marriage. So we'll say first wide line, I in here, without of 75a. Come on, we should post them. Tana, Hosifu and Zeya. So we'll say, so there are certain women, however, that are, that would allow for dissolution of the marriage, even though it's not a mum by Kohanim. So the Gemara says, what are some examples of this? Zeya. If a person, if a woman sweats profusely, by the way, both said whatever woman we talk about, you understand they go both ways. They go both ways. It's illustrated as a mum for the woman, but whatever is a mum for the woman is going to be a mum for the man as well. So zeya, someone sweats profusely, shuma, a mole, rea chapeh, chronic bad breath. So the Gemara says vahani bekani lo pasli. But do these do these women not disqualify by kohanim as well? What time we learned? Hazokim vahachola vahamezuham. So Rabbi says it's actually very interesting. So this this particular this particular mishnah um, here is actually talking about animals, right? That if animals that right invalidating factors in an animal for a carbon, zok the animal is very old. Chola the animal is very sick. Mezuham mezuham also means that the animal smells. So you see that a mezuham, a very smelly animal, is ultimately cannot be used for a carbon. So we're assuming over here that halacha chronic bad breath, and constant perspiration, which also yields body odor, are also disqualifying factors by koin butinan, mumin elu, and also we learned that these same type of women, whether they are established, in other words, permanent, or passing or temporary, ultimately pass a coin as well. See, so you see that if a coin it has a terrible odor, that also invalidates him from doing the avoda. Therefore, I will say, so whether that's terrible odor or chronic bad breath, or whether that's body odor, that ultimately would go ahead and, and preclude him. So what's interesting about this is, the Gemara just said before, right, we made, we made a statement in the Mishnah. What was the rule in the Mishnah? 
any mum which disqualifies a Kohen will also, also be problematic in the context of a marriage. Of a marriage. So the Gemara says, but in addition to the mum of a Kohen, we also add in, we also add in, that's what? Perspiration, a mole, and bad breath. But at least perspiration and, and, and bad breath seem to be included in the mumin of a Kohen. To which the Gemara says, There's different types of perspiration. Also, ultimately, again, there's, there's perspiration that is a temporary issue, and then there's chronic perspiration, to which the Gemara says, Ravashi says, Ravashi says, no, talking about two different things. They both say there's a difference between Zaya, someone who perspires a lot, someone who sweats a lot, versus Mizuham. I will say, so, so Zeya means perspiration, which of course does lead to body odor, versus Mizuam, which is a state of, of, of intense body odor. So the Gemara says, Hasam Gabe Kohanim, Afshal Avra Bikiwa de Hamra, Shabbos say, Umerecha, Panami, Afshar, Dinakat, Pilpola, Bepume, Vavravoda. See, even if a coin has body odor, so all you need to do, I will say, is, see, if a coin has body odor, I don't need, or bad breath for that matter, we don't need to cure it. What do we need to do? What do we need to do? Treat it, right? Treat it, and how long did they treat it for? Just while it's doing the avoda. So in other words, so say, how do you cure body odor? This is actually very, uh, I'm sorry, how do you treat body odor? Interesting, a bath of wine vinegar. Fascinating, fascinating, right? A bath of wine vinegar. So I say, all you need to do is before he has to do the avoda, let him take the bath of wine vinegar, or so for bad breath, Put a pepper in your mouth. I guess it's like this is the this is the Talmudic Listerine strip, right? So I'll say, so just put a pepper in your mouth. And that's it. In other words, that there's a way to remedy this situation because I don't have to cure it. I just have to take it away during the window of Avoda. So the Gemara says, Avagabe Ishalo Efsha. But we'll say, obviously that works in Avoda because all I have to do is treat it episodically when he's doing the Avoda. What I can't do is what? It's not going to work in the context of a marriage. Because in the context of a marriage, if a woman has chronic bad breath, or for that matter, again, if a woman has chronic body odor, that, well, what are you going to do? In other words, it's a chronic issue will undermine the marriage. So the Gemara says, fine. So we'll say, that's body odor and bad breath. So the Gemara says, Hi, Shuma What's the case of the mole? What's the case of the mole? See, the ispesar, hacha, bahacha, pasta. So we'll say, interestingly enough, a mole that has hair apparently is considered to be a mum both by Kohanim as well as by a marriage. To which the Gemara says, isbasar, and ultimately again, if it doesn't have hair in the mole, so gidolahi, pasla. So if it's a large mole, again we'll discuss what large means, right? Ishu, right, then ultimately that's a that's a mole. kitana he if ultimately again it's a small mole, pasla, then both by both by marriage as well as by kahuna. Ultimately, again, it won't invalidate. I will say, I'll just mention the concept of mumin by Kohanim is very interesting. In general, why is it that a mum, right, passes according to the Yavoda? So, as Menachem just mentioned, this beautiful, incredible Sefer Achinuch. The Sefer Achinuch says that when people come to the Beis Hamikdash and they observe the Kohanim doing the Avoda, ultimately, we want them to focus on the Avoda. When a person has a mum, it's a distraction. It's, a, it's, it's not the Torah Chas Vishalom going in and discriminating against people with handicaps or with different, different, let's say, it's just the idea over here 
that when a again when a we know this when a person looks different does something different by definition my attention is drawn to that. We don't want distractions in the base Hamikdash. A person is coming. We want them to be wholly, totally focused on the avoda. So therefore, again, the Gibara says, "What type of mole are we talking about over here?" And if it's a small mole, then again, a small mole is not a mom. Tisanyo, because we learned shuma sheish basayar. If you have a mole that has hair, hareiz a mom. That's a mom. Ain basayar if it doesn't have hair. Right, gidola. If it's a large one, hareze mum. It's a mum. Kitana is a mum. So if it is a gidola, I will say. By the way, what is considered to be a large, a large mole? Perush of Shigmuliel ad ki iser haitalki. The size of an Italian iser. Size of an Italian. We should also say the post can bring down quarter of an inch. Quarter of an inch. That's a large mole. Amrav Yosi ben Chanina. So we'll say, what's the case? What's the so we'll say? So what's the case of the mole that could potentially be a mum for marriage? where the mole is on her forehead. The Gemara says, Padachta, if it's on her forehead, then ultimately what? He's seen it. He's seen it. They both say, see, here's the chat, right? If, 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 the, if the woman has a mom, again, I, 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 I want to be clear. I'm using the case of a woman as a mom, but just to be clear, remember, all these cases work both ways, right? Ruben's going to marry Rachel. Rachel has a mole on her forehead. He sees it. If he sees it, and he marries her anyway. What does that tell you? He was makabalit. He was makabalit. So the Gemara says. So the Gemara says. Uh, I'm sorry. Padachta Rav Nefayis. He saw it literally again. He accepted it. So the Gemara Papa. No, no, no. Ba'omedes latachos kipa shal rosha. Ultimately, again, where it sits underneath her kipa. Right. Was we saw this before that a woman would often wear some type of hat, some type of hat. And therefore, again, which is interesting because here apparently she's wearing it even when she's not married. So I will say, so some explained, by the way, that the kippah was like a small hat that women used to wear because they would balance a basket on their head. So the kippah was there, you know, between her head, between her scalp and the basket. And not even, so someone was wearing a kippah. So because she was wearing a kippah, ultimately covered the mole. It covered the mole. V'zim in the mischazia, v'zim in the lo mischazia. So both say it's possible. It's possible that what that he never saw it. Possible that he never saw it. Okay. Amar Rav Chista Ham Milsa Ham Migaber Rab Shmiyale Amar Rab Shila. So both say this matter I heard from a great man who is great man Rab Shila. Nashcha Kelev v'naaset mekomol salakes. Ultimately, I'm going to say. So what happens if someone or this will go just with the case of a woman was bitten? on the leg by a dog, and as a result, the area of the bite shriveled up. Shriveled up. Hareze mum. Ultimately, again, that's a mum. Amre b'chista, b'chista said, kal ava bi'isha, if a woman has a deep voice, hareze mum, that's a mum. Shene emar, ki koleich arev umareich nave. Kazibah said, the Pazik and Shira Shirim says, literally again, because your voice is pleasant and your countenance is beautiful. So the idea over here that a deep voice ultimately is considered to be a mom. So the Gemara says, Taner Rabbeinu Asambira, Bein Dadei Ishe Tefach. So the Gemara continues to go through the cases of mom. And Rabbeinu say, what's interesting about this, and again, because we don't really have too much time, because we have to dive in Slichos. So I'll say, so I'll just mention, like, why exactly this section is included here in the Gemara is an interesting discussion. Alts the Alts the Rishonim and Achronim. But again, so Bein Dadei Isha. Tefach. So we'll say the space between the dadaim of of an isha of a woman is a tefach. Savar of achav reid rava kamei rava ashir meimar tefach lema al yusa. Amir rava ashi 
Gabi Mumin Tanya. How can you say that Tefach is preferable? After all, again, it's considered over here between the Mumin. So the says, Vikama, Amrabai Shalosh Etzbos. That the proper spacing ultimately, again, is not a Tefach, but rather three finger breaths. Tanya Binasi Omer, Kal Isha Shedadeha Gasin Mishal Chavroseha Harezem Mum. So any woman whose dadaim are much larger than her friends is considered to be a mum. The kama, how much larger? Amrab Maisha Bereid Rav Yoshua Ben Levi Mishmeid Rav Yoshua Ben Levi Tefach. Okay. Umi Iga Ki Gavna. Ultimately, again, I will say, is is it possible for the dadaim to be that large? So the Gemara says, In the Amrab Barachana Anira Isi Aravia Achos Sheshvira Dadel Achorel. Okay, nothing like first-hand testimony. Right? So, so, so ultimately, again, good, he saw this woman who mamish nursed her child from behind. Okay, good. So, what says the Gemara says as follows. This is absolutely beautiful Gemara. Absolutely beautiful Gemara. So, the Gemara quotes the Pasuk ultimately from Tehillim. And the Gemara says as follows. Sion will say, listen to this Pasuk. Sion will say, Ish the ish yulad ba, this person and this person was born in it, and he will establish it on high. Now, both sides, if you take a look at Rashi over here, this is beautiful, beautiful Rashi. Rashi says, We'll see on your Amr, it's right across in Rashi. We'll see on your Amr. Mishum da'iri ba Rabbi Maisha, knock it, lost. So, both the reason it's being brought down is because it's the same author. We'll see on your Amr, ish ish yulad ba. So this is a reference to the Messianic era. In the Messianic era, listen to how beautiful this is. When Klavi saw, when we bring Karbanos to Hashem, the Goyim, the nations of the world will say, Ish, Ish, Yuladba, that every single Jew was born in Sion. And I've say there's an obvious problem, which is what? Which is what? Not every single Jew is born in Sion. Sion is Yushalayim, is Eretz Yisrael. So how do you say that every single Jew? This Gemara is an honor of you. Incredible. So I say, so ultimately, what, what does it mean? What does it mean that every single person is born in Sion? Listen to how beautiful this Gemara is. It means, it means that whether you are born in Eretz Yisrael, or you yearn for Eretz Yisrael, you are considered to be as if you have been born in Sion. If you born in Yerushalayim, or you yearn for Yerushalayim, you are considered to be a Ben Yerushalayim. Look at Rashi. So whether again you've been born in Yerushalayim, or you desire to see Yerushalayim, Yikran mi Ultimately, again, you will be called of the children of Yerushalayim, and you'll be brought to Yerushalayim. I will say, absolutely, absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I will say, I'll just say something amazing. I saw brought down Rav Yosef Chaim Sonnenfeld, Zechatadik Levracha, ultimately, again, was, you know, he was a contemporary of Rav Kok. So they did not see eye to eye, Rav Amin they were, they did not see, they were, they were, I'll call it, Ideological, ideological, ideologically opposed on many, on many, many, many different levels, but yet again had an incredible mutual respect. Their followers did not have respect for each other, but ultimately they themselves had respect for each other. For Yosef Chaim Sonnenfeld 
was known as to be an incredibly as a, 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 an honest individual and incredibly, incredibly meticulous with being an honest individual. They asked Rabbi Yosef Chaim Sanafal the following question. Remember, Yosef Chaim Sanafal, like Rav Kook, lived in, this was before the state of Israel, this was in British Mandate Palestine. They asked Yosef Chaim Sanafal, is a person allowed to lie to say that they were born in Palestine in order to be able to gain entry under the British? The British had very, had very strict quotas, but if you were able to go ahead and say that you were born here, but you left, and now you want to come back, you were able to come back. So they asked Rabbi Yosef Chaim Sanafald, is a Jew allowed to lie and say that you were born in Eretz Yisrael in, right, in order to be able to come back? And Rabbi Yosef Chaim Sanafald quoted the Gemara of Sechus Ksuvas, Daf Ayin Helm and Aleph, and he said it's not a lie. He said if you are a Jew who yearns for Eretz Yisrael, then the Pasuk makes it as if you've been born in Eretz Yisrael. He says again, quoting the pastor called the Tzion Ya'amer, Ish, Ish, Yulad, Ba. Ish, Ish, Yulad, Ba. There are two types of people who are born in Eretz Yisrael. There are those who are physically born in Eretz Yisrael and those who are spiritually born in Eretz Yisrael. Those physically born, okay. Spiritually born, if you yearn for Eretz Yisrael, say, if you have a longing in your heart for Eretz Yisrael, it's as if, it's as if you've been born there. Absolutely beautiful. So the Gemara goes right there. The Gemara says, the Gemara says, good. Amr Abai, Abai says, V'chad minahu adif kitre minala. We'll say, this is a fascinating passage. Literally again, one of us, one of us, one Jew from Eretz Yisrael is better than two Jews of Bavel. Now I will say, this is specifically referring to the Tamidi Chachamim. One Tamid Chacham from Eretz Yisrael is better than two Tamidi Chachamim from Bavel. Amr Rava, V'chad minan, but one Jew from Bavel, Kisalik Lahasam, when he goes to Eretz Yisrael to learn, Adif Kitreminayu is as good as two Jews of Eretz Yisrael. So I will say, so this is actually incredible. So listen to this. So first, so first Abai begins by saying, one Eretz Yisrael Jew is greater than two Babylonian Jews. But when a Babylonian Jew makes Saliyah, he's the equivalent to two Jews from Eretz Yisrael. So I will say, sometimes what, what it means is like this. What it means is like this. An Eretz Yisrael Jew sometimes has as much Kedusha as two Chutz Eretz Jews. But when a Chutzla Aretz Jew, who has had to fight for his Ruchnius, comes to Eretz Yisrael, he can be just as strong as two Eretz Yisrael Jews. A pretty incredible Gemara. Because Rabbi Yemiah was a Babel Jew. When he was in Babel, often he didn't understand the conversations that were happening in the base Medrash. Yet, Kisalik Lahasam, ultimately when he comes, when he went to Eretz Yisrael, Karilan Babli Tipsha used to call us. He called us the foolish Babylonians. So I will say, the, the dynamic that the Gemara seems to be describing is like this. The Ruchnius of Eretz Yisrael is stronger than the Ruchnius of Babel. Therefore, again, when you compare Eretz Yisrael Jews to Diaspora Jews, Eretz Yisrael Jews have greater Ruchnius than, than Diaspora Jews. But when a Diaspora Jew goes to Eretz Yisrael, moves to Eretz Yisrael, so what does a Diaspora Jew come armed with, Rabbi A Diaspora Jew has to fight. See, in Eretz Yisrael, Ruchnius is there. It's there. It's, it's in the air. In Kovas, you have to fight for your Ruchnius. So when you come to Eretz Yisrael with that fighting mentality, and now you're transplanted to the Gidusha of the land, your Ruchnius, your Ruchnius skyrockets. So when you compare Eretz Yisrael Jews to ultimately Diaspora Jews, so the Eretz Yisrael Jew is greater. But when the Diaspora Jew comes to Eretz Yisrael, 
he surpasses everyone who is there because he's used to fighting for every inch of his Ruchnius territory. When he brings that fighting spirit to Eretz Yisrael, the fighting spirit combined ultimately with the natural Ruchnius of the land allows him to accomplish dramatic things. Halavai Wishobi Zoha. So the Gemara goes weiter. Good. I'll just tell you, I'll say, by the way, the Sanzarov, the Sanzarov says something very beautiful. Sanzarov says about this idea that, that, that an Eretz Yisrael Jew is as great, ultimately, again, as two diaspora Jews, is why he says, cute, not cute, not cute, sweet. He says, this is why in Eretz Yisrael, you only need one day of Yamtiv, and in Chutz Laaretz, you need two days of Yamtiv. Because ultimately, again, the Ruchnius ratio, the Ruchnius ratio is two to one. It's two to one. There's two times as much Ruchnius in Eretz Yisrael as in his Chutz Laaretz. So what I need two days to accomplish here in Chutz Laaretz could be accomplished in one day in Eretz Yisrael. Such says the Sanzarov. Says the Mishnah, So we'll say, if the woman, right, let's say she has a mum. So same case, same case. Ultimately, again, where we're talking about women that could that could void the marriage. So So ultimately, and we'll say, so now let's say, so here's the case. Here's the case. He was Makadesher. And now she, during Kiddushin, she's still living in her father's home. She was Makadesher. And I will say, what happens? It's discovered that she has women, right? But she's still living in her father's home. What's that? So it's upon the father to bring the proof that what? That the woman developed post kiddushin, right? So now we'll say so. It's post kiddushin. They discover woman. The father asked the burden of proof is upon the father. The woman developed post kiddushin, and therefore, again, so to speak, the chassin's field has flooded. And we'll say, remember again, that's the expression we had in the beginning of the masechta. Nichnas salur shas habal habal zarklaviraya shashlonis arisayubam woman elu vayamikha mekachtos tivremir. However, again, if the women are discovered. After Nisuin, so then again, the burden of proof is upon the husband to prove that those women existed before Kiddushin, and ultimately, again, it's a Mekachtos. When is this true? This whole discussion is only about women that are not visible, or that would not be visible, or they're underneath clothing, they're in covered areas. They will say, any mum, any mum that was revealed, there are no titles. We'll say this because we have to we just learn. Because if a mum is visible, then what? You saw it. And if you saw it and you went through it, then anyway, it means you accepted it. However, I will say, if there's a bathhouse in the city, even women in covered parts of the body, ultimately, again, a husband cannot claim Mekach tells why. Because we'll say, what's going to happen? Because it was customary, apparently, that what would occur. So the husband's relatives would go to the bathhouse. Would go to the bathhouse. And therefore, ultimately, again, they would see if the kala had any woman. Says the So we'll say, so these are the two cases. So taima demaisya avraya. So we'll remember again, case number one is now it's post-kidushin. Post-kidushin. Rachel, we're going to call her, is living in her father's home. And ultimately, a woman is discovered. So what did the Mishnah say? The burden of proof is upon the father to prove that the mom that the mom developed post kiddushin, post erusin. Time the maisia avraya. So ultimately, again, it's only if the father brings a proof. Halo maisia avraya. If the father will not bring a proof, habal mehemen. Ultimately, the husband is believed to say what? We'll say, remember again, what's what's Ruvain's claim over here? What's his claim? 
the mum preceded Kiddushin, and this is a Mekaktos. So money, whose opinion does this reflect? They both say, this is Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Yoshua, he d'amar, lomi pia anuchayin. They both say, ultimately, again, this is, this is the opinion of Rabbi Yoshua. Because Rabbi Yoshua says, in halacha we don't go ahead and simply live based on her testimony. Rashi points out the case in which this was said. Okay, so Moses, so that, so now I want to point out, look at Rashi, Tav Rashi, Abal Mehemid, Tamra Hov, Safeku, Emita Asso, Be'imlav, Hamid Mamon, Al Cheskaso. Shabbosay, so just to point out what's happening over here. Ruben was Mekadesh Rachel. After Kiddushin, she's living in her father's home, and a mum is discovered. The type of mum that would invalidate, invalidate the Kiddushin. So what's happening over here? Father is claiming. The mum just developed now, post kiddushin. In which case, husband, it's your problem. Husband, right? Ruvain's claiming, no, no, no. The mum preceded. The mum preceded. It is in there from mekaktos. So I will say. So the Mishnah said in that case, the is with the husband. Namely, the burden of proof is upon the father, which I will say essentially becomes like a type of hamotzi mechaveira la haraya type of situation, right? She wants to prove that she's married with all the financial with all the financial benefits. Ultimately, the burden of proof is upon you to determine that the mom, that the mom developed post-Kiddushin. Ema Sefa, yet look at the end of the Mishnah. If now, we'll say what happens, the mom develops when? After Nisuin, or I should say, not develops. The mom is discovered. After Nisuin, right? The husband, the burden of proof is upon the husband. Then halacha lamaisa, then halacha lamaisa what? Then halacha lamaisa, the mom preceded the marriage. Taima, the maisi habal raya. Now, ultimately, again, the husband is one who has to bring the proof. Halo maisi habal raya. If the husband would not bring proof, have mehemin. Ultimately, again, the father would be believed. Be, be believed to say what? To say what? That the mom developed after Nisuin. In other words, this, this Ruvain. She's yours. Right? This reflects the Yorbin Gambiel. Do Amar Ne'emenes. Ultimately, and I will say that says that apparently she is believed. In other words, I will say, so the first part of the Mishnah seems to indicate that we don't accept, quote-unquote, her testimony. Because remember, again, as much as it's the father advocating, it's her testimony as well. Second part of the Mishnah seems to indicate that we do accept her testimony. So what's going on? Amr Abelazar, Tavra, Misha, Shanazu, Lo, Shanazu. So Abelazar says, you're right. Two different opinions in the Mishnah. Must be the Reisha is reflecting one opinion, and the Seifa is reflecting a second opinion. To which Rabbi comes along and says, but one second. Even Rabbi Yoshua, right? Even Rabbi Yoshua, who says that we do not go after the Chazaka of her body, that's only when, that's only when, Ultimately, again, when there's a competing monetary chazaka. But ultimately, again, when there is no competing monetary chazaka, ultimately, again, then Rabbi Yoshua will, will go after the physical chazaka. Now, both sides. Now, what is this talking about? Take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi says over here, so remember again, Rabbi Yoshua is the one who said, that we don't just take her word. In other words, her word doesn't just simply determine the reality. And I will say, here's what's interesting. What's interesting about this is, there's something called Chazaka Digufa. 
Chazaka Dugufa means that we kind of look at whatever, so, so for example, Chazaka Dugufa would say that we look at where she's holding physically, and where she's holding physically, ultimately, I would determine the reality. When doesn't Rabbi Yeshua accept Chazaka Dugufa? That's only when there is a competing monetary Chazaka. Look at Rashi. Chazaka de Mamona. So we'll say, for example, here, this would be a case of a competing monetary chazaka. So the Gemara says, this sanya, I will say, no, it will have to, we'll stop over here for, actually, let's just finish this up, the sanya. In Baharas, Kodem Laseer, Lavan, Tameh. In Seer, Lavan, Kodem Labaharas, Tahar. So I will say, so for example, the Brisa says, if the Baharas, talking about over here, I will say, by Tsaras. So Baharis is the white spot. If the white spot came before the white hair, then ultimately again, Tomei. In Sarah, Lavan, Kodun, Baharis, if the white hair comes before the Baharis, Star, Suffolk, if you're not sure which came first, Tomei. If you're Rabbi Yeshua, Amar Kea. Rabbi Yeshua says Kea. What's Kea? My Kea, Amar Rava, Kea, Tar. Ultimately, again, it means Tar. So I will say, we'll start over here for today, but again, I'm leaving you off a little bit on a, on a cliffhanger. We're going to see Rava is going to track us out. Where we're leaving off, I will say right now, is that Halacha Lamaisa, it appears that there's two different authors of the Mishnah. The Reisha, the case ultimately where the moment is discovered ultimately in the father's home, seems to reflect one opinion. The moment being discovered after Nisuin seems to go ahead and reflect a different opinion. We don't like having the same Mishnah reflecting two different opinions. Rav is going to give us a different resolution tomorrow. But I apologize for the pace. But